0: Well, I've had quite an interesting week or two. Uh, we had Kingston from Zimbabwe staying with us for um, a week. I picked him up down near the um, RK Khan Hospital. As we're coming up the road, there's an intersection. And as we're pulling it, we pull in, we've stopped at the light. A cop car comes rolling into the intersection, like, really fast. The doors fly open before it even stops, all the cops pile out, run across the street, draw their weapons, a car comes zooming about 180, bam, 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 bam! (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of irresponsible because there's a lot of collateral damage that could happen. And just as I'm thinking that, the guy loses control of the vehicle, arcs right around our vehicle, goes directly behind us, hits the barrier at like Mach 2. Tears the barrier out completely. Like, just takes it with it, goes end over end this way and lands in the ditch down there. And I'm thinking, are we watching like, um, an act? Is there going to be like a guy, okay, take two? <laughs> like, what the heck just happened, you know? And we all look at each other and go, did you, did that just happen? Uh, like, yeah. Hallelujah. He missed us. But some poor fellow was laying in the road. I think they either flew out of the car or got hit by it. We don't know because more police and more guns, and we didn't want to be collateral damage. So we moved on as the light went through. Uh, if that wasn't enough excitement for uh, for the week, I took him out for lunch and didn't know that he was, he, he didn't know either that he was allergic to shellfish. So he went into anaphylactic shock. I had to rush him to the hospital. Thank God. We were close, and they gave him some medication, and he recovered after about a day or so. He was better, But and he's good now. He's back in Zim. But praise God for his mercy and faithfulness in watching over us. <laughs> like, <laughs> not no, no, I got a lot of shooting stories, but we won't get into that right now. <laughs> yeah, my, first, my very first day in missions work, uh, a bullet whizzed past my head so close that I saw it hit a leaf and leave a hole in it in front of me. I, I mean, I could, I heard the, you know, the, as it's spinning, and it, there was a big leaf, and it went through the leaf, and I could see the thing, so that's, that was a close call. So... Yeah, and that's just one of them, but anyways, it's exciting being a missionary, yes. I want to talk to you today, if you, if at the end of this you think this was about finances, then you've missed the point. I will be talking about finances, Jesus talked about money a lot, actually it was one of the biggest subjects that he covered, there's. Literally hundreds of verses that have to do with our finances. And uh, as, as a young man, in coming to Christ, I just celebrated my 40th anniversary, by the way. I made my... <laughs> um, I I decided that I needed Jesus because I was inadequate for the task that I saw that was before me. Um, I had, um, my my girlfriend at the time was pregnant, and we were to be married, and I knew I was going to have a child, and the responsibility of that began to weigh on me, and I knew that I, I couldn't do it right at all. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess it up. I just knew it. Because i 'd already messed up the rest of my life, so why would this be any different? And so I knew that I needed God, and I knew that His Word was the manual for my life. I knew that if i couldn 't find it in there, i couldn 't find it. so I began to, as I accepted Christ, I, I did so in the the with the, the the conscious thought of my total inadequacy to do anything. Right. But I knew that if I could find the principles within his manual, that I might be able to pull it off. Not because of me, but because I knew that he has the answers that no one else has. We've been talking about heavenly mindedness. And that's actually been what I've, there's been the Spirit of God has been also. When I'm preaching other places, the Lord has directed me along that same flow as well. You've heard the phrase, so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. And Jonathan promptly replied, rubbish, which I totally agree with. Because I think the more heavenly-minded you are, the more earthly good you actually are. And um, I want to, this quote from C.S. Lewis If you read history, you'll find that most of the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So with the thought, as I was saying, my mindset, um, this other C.S. Lewis quote, I really like C.S. Lewis a lot, You can probably tell. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. So, with that thought that through my new perspective, I would be able to see the right things. I'd be able to um do the right things and I'd love to stand here and tell you that I've done it all right since then but I don't want to be stoned today so uh I came out of an alcoholic dysfunctional family my dad um had an awesome work ethic he was he was um a super hard worker he always did Great job he was recognized for his works in, in, in uh, his field, but he was an alcoholic and it's caused a lot of tension problems as you can imagine in our home um, and and I didn 't have i knew an example that I could follow wholeheartedly in in my own home, so I had to establish principles that would guide me that I knew were biblical. So one of the very first ones that a key scripture for me at that time in my life, and still is, is seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And so, I took a, I would take a scripture and just say, okay, Lord, please make this real in my life. You know, your word is... Uh, living, it's not a empty, dead book. It's a living thing. Jesus is the Word of God. So, I took these scriptures, and I began to uh, try to begin to apply them in everyday life. I believe that the scripture is very practical. Though we are seated in heavenly places, God directs us right here in the here and now. And it's, and it's, it's relevant to today. It's relevant to your situation. It's, it's uh, Words written thousands of years ago are going to help you through today, right now. Because that's the Word of God. It's a living thing. So... I want my life to count. I don't want to waste my time. Um, I like this quote: "Many people take no care of their money till they come nearly to the end of it, and others do just the same with their time." So we have to begin to look at how we spend both our money and our time from an eternal perspective, right? Not not just this, this world's perspective. So in Luke chapter 16, one through nine, it said there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Notice the word wasting. And he called him and said to him, What's this I hear about you? Turn in account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, I'm ashamed to beg, and I have decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Selah. So Jesus says, and I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. So he's contrasting, really, the sons of this world, the world's system, to the sons of light. And there's an economy that exists in the economy of God and the economy of the world. The sons of of this world is uh, loving things and using people. The kingdom of God is loving people and using things. There's there's a different value system. So I, I realized that my value system wasn't good enough. It wasn't going to be okay with God. He has a different value system than we do. Before we're saved, we value certain things. We struggle for certain things. We get anxious over certain things. And God doesn't value any of it. <laughs> okay? So we, I had to say, okay, my value system is eschewed. I need to get a new one. So it brings me to the second scripture that really impacted my life greatly at that point. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So I I see this over and over again, and I had to stop And the Lord started speaking to me about, you know, it's not the big things. It's the little things. My eye is on the little things. You get the little things right, and everything else will follow suit. You get the little things wrong, and you're right back into the wrong value system. So I had to begin to examine the littlest details of what I was doing my behaviors, my way of what I did with my money, what I did with my time, to determine, okay, am I getting this right? Am I walking in the Word? If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And this is the real title of my whole uh, message, is true riches. What is... What are true riches? <laughs> what is, what do we value? What does God value? Well, you know, I, for a while, I was living on an island as a missionary in, um, in the Caribbean. And, uh, there were, there were, uh, rocks and little, little islands that were there where we'd, we'd have to make our way by boat through the, through the reef at night sometimes. There's sharks, there's big, huge, 14-foot sea crocs and stuff like that. And there was real pirate treasure there. I mean, some of the guys there had found gold doubloons buried in these little atolls and things. So there was real treasure buried right around where we were living. And all we had to do was go and find it, right? If you could find it. You could get, they, they found, there was people found chests of gold, okay, because the islands there were, were a central place for them to hide. One of the names of the town is called Coxon's Hole, which was Coxon, the pirate Coxon would hole up in that area. So, that's what most of the world considers real treasure, right? What does God consider treasure? Our heart, but he says his people, people are his treasure, his valued possession. There's a guy that was very wealthy, and he he said, um, "Oh God, I you know I just I know you can't take it with you, but I really want to take it with. Please, God, just let me take it with me, okay?" So God says, "Okay." So he gives him, a, "All right, put it in the." coffin you can take it with you so he gets to the he gets to heaven gets to the pearly gates he's got this bag and all everybody comes around and says hey he he got to bring it with him. I mean it must be something interesting so they all go around and he opens the sack and they look in there and they go "Ah, more paving stones (laughs) what's what's your value right What's the value system that we have? Mine had to change. So if you are not faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will trust you true riches? What's a test of ministry? Right? Does God want to entrust you with people's care? How is your finances doing? Are you faithful to God in what you have? It's very practical, isn't it? God's looking at that. He's saying, if you can't handle that, I'm certainly not going to give you my true riches. Right? Are you a minister of Christ? Every one of us is. So what's our test for ministry? We got to get this right. Right? Isn't that what it says? So I had, ooh, I was very convicted about this. You know? So I had to make some changes in my life to to go from the sons of this world to the sons of light. God wants us to be uh, faithful. He's looking for faithfulness before He extends trust to us. So, we're all called and... We must have the same value as God. What God values. He values people. That's what He spent His blood, sweat, and tears on. Isn't it? And, and we can do no better than that. So, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Again, very practical. How do you handle somebody else's stuff? He's talking about real things here. You know? You borrow somebody's deal, you bring it back to them, it's oh, all broken and torn up. No, if you borrow it, you break it, you fix it, you get them another one, whatever. How do you value, do you take care of stuff? Right? It's, it's practical. God looks at that first, doesn't he? The little thing, remember the little things. And God began speaking to me, you don't get this right, you're not going anywhere until I see that you can be trusted in the little. Because if you're not faithful in it, you won't be faithful when you get the big thing that I want to give you. God wants us to be in the realm of more. He does. But in order to be there, you must start out with the little. Be faithful in the little things and God will give you more. 13 of Luke 16. No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and money, or mammon, which is possessions. It, it's it, The Greek word means both money and possessions. So, how do we establish a value system that makes us have the same value of true riches that God has? You see, um, there's different... There's different, we place value on things, and it can be, our value system can be different from person to person, even place to place. Like if I take the rand here in South Africa, a rand to the dollar may be like 13.5 right now, let's say. If I take that same rand and walk across the border to Zim and try to spend it, I get seven rand to the dollar. It's atrocious, right? And I have no explanation why, because it doesn't even really add up to what it's supposed to be. But you can't spend any more than that, because that's the value that they placed on it, right? So, like it or not, that's the value that they have for the rand there, and this is the value that we have here. So there's a there can we can have differing scales of value. But God's word is the ultimate test of what is valuable to God. And we need to align ourselves with what he values at the same scale. Amen? So in um, Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink. And be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and all the things you prepared, whose will they be? So the one who lays up treasure for himself, or so is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. You see, uh, we can, there's a, this phrase, being rich towards God, that, that sort of piqued my interest. So how can we be rich towards God? Because right? you can be rich in this world and poor in another. You can be rich in this world and rich in the other. Right? It doesn't, I'm not talking about finances today, people. Right? Even though it's part of the subject. We're talking about being rich towards God, valuing what God values. So, to be rich towards God, we're all, we've all acknowledged, we're all called to ministry, and though some of us may have been blessed with wealth, not all of us can write out a big check, some of us can, that isn't the point, we're all called to serve others, because Jesus came to serve and we can't represent him properly unless we're serving and giving of ourselves, of our time, and of our resources. Right? Those and, and under his direction. Right. We. It's important that we're directed in what we do, because we, as I've spoke about, when I spoke about the body, uh, the head is. Christ we only operate under the headship of Christ so any data that we're being sent should come from him and and act our body acts upon that data right otherwise we're spastic we got one arm doing something over here and the leg's going this way and we're gonna have a problem right yeah so that's (laughs) Alan dancing um so we we have to follow our head, and it's important that you know when when we think of okay, we have a need in the body. It's not just the one who's blessed with enough finances to write out a big check's job, is it? Uh-uh. That need is represented by the whole body. It means if you got ten rand and God asks you to give one, then that obedience on your part makes you part of the body of Christ. Right? Because now you're operating like you should be. Right? Uh, And functioning like a body. Where every, every part is connected. And every part, if one part feels a need, we all feel it. If one part is blessed, we are all blessed. Right? So... On that thought, we, we, we are, need to be proper stewards. I like the term stewardship because the truth of the matter is, is I don't own anything. Right? That's the truth of the matter. I gave it all up when I said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. <laughs> I have no titles to anything. So I, I said, Lord, be Lord of my life. And he said, Okay. I had no idea what that really meant. I'll be honest with you, man. You know? Standing here 40 years later, I didn't understand. (laughs) But at that time, I had no clue. I thought, man, I'm going to heaven. You know? I didn't care. Right? And I wouldn't change it for anything, but the fact of the matter is, is I gave it all up when I said, Lord, be Lord of my life. And so, I believe you said that too, most of you, Right? then that. that means that as a body, we need to accomplish the work of God together. Right? That means that I had to submit my finances. so I said, okay, God, what does that mean? Well, he took me to the scripture in Malachi. Verse 8 through 11, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And I said, How have I robbed you? <laughs> right? He says, in your tithes and your contributions. I said, but isn't that under the law? No. No, actually, um, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, who was a representative type in the Old Testament of Christ. Right? Now, are we under grace? Absolutely. But grace, as you know is the gift of God. And everything that we have is His anyways. Right? So, I had to say, okay, it's all yours. What do you want me to do? So, I said, well, tithes and contributions to start with. And so, it says in verse 9, You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, this whole nation of you. Bring full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no more need. Is there any need? God says, when this happens, there will be no more need. Hallelujah. That's a promise. And it's the only place that I see in Scripture where he says, put me to the test. And I've put him to the test, and I want to testify today that it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I could stand here all day and tell you the miraculous intervention of God in my life. All day long I could tell you stories about how God came through sometimes at 1159.9, you know. Um, But he comes through. So, I began to put God to the test and faithful to his word, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. God wants us to be honest with him and honest with ourselves, right? Just look at the example of Ananias and Sapphira, right? They thought they would pull something over on God. And they were carried out feet first, right? It's <laughs> pretty heavy, man. I read that and I went, "Whoa, dude!" <laughs> I am not going to lie about my offerings. <laughs> I don't care what I do. I'm going to get that right. <laughs> hey, yay, hey, yay! Hey. But we are under—we're under grace, and I really like this this passage um, in Second. Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 5. He's talking about taking an offering for the church in Macedonia who are undergoing a severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed a wealth of generosity on their part. for, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but as they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Right? They were begging for the opportunity to do an offering. Is that cool? The pastor says, that's great. Why? <laughs> why? Because they understood the grace. It says, and not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace. So the offering to help the body of Christ in another area. Remember, we are a global body. We're not just a local body. This body, one body was helping another part of the body of Christ in, a, in a, another whole area, right? They were begging, even though they were poor, they were begging for the opportunity to participate in this Act of grace. Ah, beautiful, isn't it? It was an act of grace. I love that. And so, it says, so then, as we have opportunity in Galatians 6.10, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are the household of faith. You know, I I have a vision of a combi, and I had this quite a while ago. And then I heard in the latest this week, I think it was Solani had a a, a where's Zelani? He's gone. Um, he had a, a a dream, and he saw a combi. And I saw the I saw the same thing a, long t- a while ago, a combi full of treasure coming in. A combi pulling in through the driveway right here. I saw it go right by there, full of treasure. Right? I believe that God is adding to our numbers as the word, which is scriptural, right? And as He does, there's a need. And the need is transportation. And I believe as a body we can do this because I believe God is calling us to do it. And I say that knowing that we may not even have the money, but that doesn't matter, does it? Why? Because Grace, the act of grace is not a zero sum game. It's not looking at what we have. It's looking at what God has. It's not, it's aligning ourselves with His value system. What does He value? He values a combi full of treasure. Right? He doesn't value a combi full of gold to enrich a pastor. Right? Which is, seems to be what's preached a lot. Not here, but elsewhere. He values a combi full of gold. His treasure, people. Right? And it's a need. And I believe that God's going to meet it. Do you stand with me in faith in that? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, in verse 18, I'm skipping around a lot, I'm sorry about that. Oh,, well, let's finish that. Um, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. That's, a, that's an awesome. I have received full payment. This is Philippians 4:17. I received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Aphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus it's our it's about always about the heart isn't it what's our motivation right we can do what looks like the right things and still be wrong <laughs> because it's done from the wrong Place in here, the wrong, and it 's done from the wrong perspective we as children of God, as children of the light we we are um, visitors here. this isn 't our home, and we need to be mindful of the eternal because that 's what God values. Where am I in time? I have lost my time thing altogether. I got another few minutes here. <laughs> um, I'm well. uh, Let's see. um, For they were pleased to do it, and indeed, well, let's see. I'm going to go to Second Corinthians nine verse six. The point is this: Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, what we have these things for in the first place is to abound in good works. Right? If we we change our value system, that's what it amounts to. Once I change my value system from what it was, to what it is, I began to see. I don't own anything, and it's all so that I may abound in good works. I may do what I'm called to do when the time comes. Not that there won't be reward, because there is, but it's where where do you ha- where do you store the stuff? If you store it here on earth, I have some bad news. Thieves can break through and steal. It's going to rust. The glory of it will fade away and ultimately you'll end up with none of it. If you store it in heaven, and that means by how you steward it here, right? That's all it is, is how we steward it here. Then, the good news is, is you can take it all with you. (laughs) Because it won't be in the same form, right? It won't be like that guy showing up with the bag of gold and they go, oh more paving blocks, right? Because the the heaven is, the streets are paved with gold. So, if you're faithful in the little, he'll give you much. If you're not faithful in the little, you're not going to get true riches. We need to look at our our value system. Jesus watched as they were bringing money to the treasury and he saw this Widow, come up, and she just put like two two little pieces of copper coins that made up a penny. And he and he draw he drew his disciples over and he draw their attention to this. Now, uh, this wasn't some big, huge financial thing, was it? A, we're talking about a penny here, right? But he said, "Look at that," and they're like. Yeah, she put in a penny. She put in more than everyone else because she did it out of her need. Right? She didn't it was everything she had. She was saying by that what we all need to realize God, you have it all. (laughs) I'm lost without you. And that really means no matter what we have, whether it's two cents or ten million dollars, it doesn't matter. God has it all, and and she was wise enough to see that that she depended completely on the Lord. She did not trust in her wealth at all. She didn't have any. Right? She had this little bit. It's not about equal gifts. In the body of Christ, it's about equal sacrifice, right? But we all need to be participating in order to be a representation of Christ, don't we? It it's, it won't work. We won't show the world what Jesus looks like until we all start to participate in what the body is doing. Amen. Uh, he when when they look at us, they, we. The scripture says they want, uh, We want them to see the full stature of the measure of Christ, and so when we lay up treasure on earth, we don't do that. When we take an eternal perspective and become like the sons of light, now we've we've changed the whole thing, haven't we? We've shifted. We've made a major shift from value system that values things over people to one that treasures people and uses things. Our treasures then will become immutable and indestructible. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can, can everybody stand with me? Father God, we come to you, Lord. And in the same spirit as the widow with her two mites, Lord, we lay everything, all that we have, before you. We offer all that we have and all that we are and are that we will be to you, Lord. And we know it's not a zero-sum game in the kingdom of God, but you will take and multiply everything that we have, everything that we are, and everything that we will be Because that's just who you are. So God, we want to see your purposes established, Lord. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to waste any time being anxious about today. Or anxious about our money. Anxious about our things. We want to value what you value, God. We thank you for your word, Lord, that shines a light on us, Lord. We thank you that you can change our hearts. I testify that you've changed mine. Yeah. And I thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name.